Hoosier United Methodist Podcast, Episode 22, with Bishop Julius Calvin Tremble, incoming bishop of the Indiana area of the United Methodist Church. My mission statement, which is to encourage all people with the love of Jesus Christ to rise to their highest potential. Hi, this is Bishop Mike Coiner of the Indiana area of the United Methodist Church. You are connecting with the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast with Reverend Brad Miller, doing all the good we can. Welcome to the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. Brad believes that a strong connection in the United Methodist Church is essential to achieving the mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. The Hoosier United Methodist Podcast will help you and your church connect with key insights, hear inspiring stories, and learn from successful pastors and people making a difference in United Methodist Churches in Indiana. And now, here's Brad. Hello again, good people, and welcome to episode number 22 of the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, where it is our mission to strengthen the connection in the United Methodist Church in the state of Indiana to achieve the purpose of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. My name is Dr. Brad Miller, and it is my privilege to share with you the stories about about the people, the pastors, the churches, the events, the ministries, and the newsmakers in the Indiana Conference of the United Methodist Church. And indeed, today, I am pleased to share with you a conversation with perhaps the biggest newsmaker in the Indiana Conference, as it was announced on July 16th, 2016, that Bishop Julius Calvin Tremble, who's presently the resident bishop of the Iowa Annual Conference, will become the new resident bishop of the Indiana Annual Conference as of September 1, 2016. I, for one, welcome the news as Bishop Tremble and I were actually seminary classmates at Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary in the early 1980s. And a few months ago, I was able to sit down and have a conversation with Bishop Tremble at a conference we both were attending. And there he shared with me some of his thoughts about his calling as a pastor and as a bishop in the church, his personal mission statement, his passion to encourage pastors, his connection to civil rights, including his connection with Dr. Martin Luther King, and the issue that he's passionate about also, which is global health. I'm pleased to share this conversation with you today on the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast to give you good people some initial insight into the man who will be our our Episcopal leader as of September 1. This interview I want to share with you, however, was recorded in the lobby of the conference hotel where we were, where we where we were at, and there's some background noise. Uh, we were in the lobby. There were some conversations going on around us. There were some food carts going by, so there is some uh, some distractions. And I'm just going to ask you to to uh, overlook that the best you can. But there's there's some great content here that you do want to hear. Here's what I want you to listen for. 
Listen for the influence of the local church that Bishop Trimble was originally from in Chicago, about the church camps he was connected with in the Northern Illinois Conference, his spiritual formation of his call to faith in the first place, his call to ministry, and his travels in ministry as a local church pastor in Chicago and in and in the, uh, the Cleveland area, as well as serving as a district superintendent and in the last eight years or so as, as a bishop. Listen for his personal mission statement, which you will find encouraging. Listen for his personal connection to the civil rights movement and activism in the church. Listen for his take on partnering with churches and annual conferences in Africa. Listen how he uh, uh, compares an attraction model of, of evangelism to what he calls the scattered model of church development. Listen for his take on how the church should relate to immigrant communities and issues of comprehensive immigration reform. Hear his passion for environmental holiness and global health as he talks about his book, A Faithful Church in a Healthy World. This is where you will hear him talk about his commitment, for instance, to the Imagine No Malaria campaign. Furthermore, you're going to hear how he feels that young people can be engaged with our church through one of the core words of our denominational mission statement. And you're even going to hear how, how about the game that Bishop Trimble loves to play, and this game is probably in the fellowship hall of your church. You're going to learn a lot about Bishop Julius Calvin Trimble in episode number 22 of the United Methodist Podcast. I think you're going to like it and be encouraged by what you hear. So let's get into the conversation with Bishop Julius Calvin Trimble right now. Welcome again to the podcast, and our special guest today is Bishop Julius Trimble of the Iowa Annual Conference. And we welcome you, uh, Bishop Trimble, to uh, to the podcast. And just, uh, if you don't mind, just share a little bit about who you are, your background, what got you to where you're at today as a bishop in the, in the United Methodist Church. Well, I was born and raised in uh, Chicago, Illinois, on the south side of Chicago, uh, raised a Methodist, and then, of course, we became United Methodists in 1968. Uh, my parents uh, brought six children to the closest Methodist church they could find when they moved from Alabama to Chicago. That's how I became a Methodist. It was a very active congregation, about 200-member church. Uh, my pastor had been uh, involved with the Civil Rights Movement with Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., in fact, our congregation in Chicago became the first northern chapter of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Okay. So it was an activist church, but it also was a church that encouraged young people to consider higher education and ministry. Uh, so both college um, visits and camping, Methodist camping, were part of my background and experience. I'm the fourth of six children. Uh, um, uh, and uh, so I, I, I went to school in Chicago, public schools in Chicago, and then went on to Illinois State University, where I graduated with a degree in sociology and history. I didn't go into ministry right away. In fact, I taught school and was a community organizer for about two and a half years. Okay. I had felt a call to ministry when I was in high school, and actually as part of camping and the... Uh, um, so this is through the... 
United Methodist Campaign Program in United Illinois. United Methodist Campaign okay. Program in the Northern Illinois Conference. Very good. Uh, I felt a call to the ministry. So I, uh, after after college uh, uh, and after two and a half years of working outside of ministry, I answered a call to begin the process of becoming a United Methodist candidate for ministry and entered Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary uh, in 1980. Uh, after graduating from seminary, I got my first appointment in uh, North Chicago, and where I was the first African American pastor of this congregation, predominantly uh, Anglo congregation, but it was prim- primarily a congregation of military, a retired military, active military, because it was only six blocks from Great Lakes Naval Base. Oh, okay. So that's where my ministry began. I was in um, the Chicago area for about six years. Then was invited by Bishop James Thomas to come to Ohio um, uh, in, in uh, 1988. Uh, um, I got married in 1979 to my college uh, sweetheart, and uh, uh, we have now three adult children, young adult children. Uh, but after serving 20 years in Ohio, I was elected a bishop uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and then assigned to Iowa. Right. For the last seven years, I've been serving as a resident bishop of the Iowa Conference United Methodist Church. So this is about my 32nd year in United Methodist ministry uh, as a first a local church pastor. Uh, then I served as a district superintendent, went back to the local church, and was elected a bishop while serving. So you've really served in pretty much most levels of service in terms of clergy in the United Methodist Church over your career and your walk of faith started in the United Methodist system with camping and so on. So you've, been, you've been a part of things for quite a while. Quite you know, a while. United Methodist Church and you've encountered a lot of folks and a lot of situations in the life of the church and some folks say that um, we're at a crossroads in our church these days. That's the theme of a conference that uh, you and I have both attended. Crossroads in the church. What does that mean to you, Bishop? What, are we at a crossroads in the United Methodist Church? I guess what I'm saying is, what's your take on the the life and vitality of the United Methodist Church right now? What is your perspective on things from your role as the Bishop of Iowa, but overall as well? Well, as a as a Bishop of the Church and also a Bishop of Iowa, uh, I am still very optimistic about the future of the church and the present mission and ministry of the United Methodist Church. I'm in a state which has had stable or declining population, shrinking small towns. A rural, many of our counties are rural farming counties, but yet I'm also uh, a part of a partnership we've had for 25 years with the United Methodist Church in Nigeria where they have expanding congregations and growing and starting new, new faith communities. Uh, so I, when I think about the conversation about the church, I think, well, we're 12 million uh, member denomination, uh, and we have been shrinking in the U.S. of A. in many places. Uh, but overall, the, the, the gospel movement and the United Methodist witness has continued to grow mm-hmm. across the world, primarily in Africa, but also in the Philippines and other places as well. 
So I'm optimistic about the future of the church, and I think we are at a crossroads. We're at a crossroads in terms of is our commitment going to be uh, uh, reaching out for those persons who are outside of the church, many who are now part of what they call the nuns, those who have right. no religious experience or background, or are we going to continue to simply use the attraction model of hoping people will come to our local congregations and mission and ministry uh, programs, or are we going to really take seriously uh, the Great Commission and to give more of our effort and energy around making the church scattered uh, and engaging people where they are? I'm interested in your experience with the church in Nigeria and Philippines you mentioned. How has those experiences informed or enlightened you in terms of ministry here in North America? Well, particularly since I've had several trips to West Africa, including Nigeria, I'm always inspired by how the the uh, the, the the impetus is not based upon uh, conference structure and budget, mm-hmm. but based upon the belief that prayer and people actually engaging in relationship with other people is the primary driver of vital ministry and congregation. In other words, uh, we, they don't need to adopt a, a multi-million dollar building campaign in order to experience growth and new church starts. Uh, it's about people answering the call to ministry and then being willing to go out and engage other people who are not already Christians or other people who are not already part of the United Methodist. So I always come back inspired saying it's not really as much as I seem to think about uh, in the U.S. of A. about how much money we have to do something, but how much enthusiasm and energy we have about whatever the mission focus might be. I think that says something about structure and process itself, doesn't it, in terms of how we have done things in North America as opposed to how they've Absolutely. done things there. And the reality is there's tremendous growth going on in that part of the world, and some parts of North America are, are struggling a little bit. So I think we can learn something from that. What are we learning in your, uh, what are we learning, what is your, some good news stories that you're seeing, though, in the church here in North America, or in Iowa in particular? What are some good news? What are some points of light that you're seeing? I see one of the points of light that I see are our willingness to uh, open up to new immigrant communities. In a state like Iowa, which has been relatively stable or declining, we have seen growth, but it's been growth in particularly in immigrant communities. Uh, In some of our communities, there are dozens of different languages that are spoken because people, whether they're from the Sudan, have arrived, or whether they're from West Africa or East Africa, uh, whether they're Burmese uh, uh, or Vietnamese, they're arriving in communities that have traditionally been uh, pretty much uh, uh, white or or African-American communities. Uh, And now we see expanding numbers of Latino and Hispanic in, 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 our, in our counties and in our, uh, our county seat towns and in our cities. And so in all of our counties in Iowa, this is true in much of North America and certainly in the North Central area, area we have churches in just about every county in, in the state of Iowa, 99 counties. So we have churches that are now actually saying that these are our new neighbors. How can we be engaged in that? So we're some of our new church starts and our new ministry starts, we call them new communities of faith, because mm-hmm. they may not necessarily be congr- new congregations. Right. Our 
made up of persons who are now relatively new to our state and new to our country, immigrant communities, Sudanese. So these communities are no longer homogeneous. They are diverse, whether folks even realize it or not, and these new new people groups are emerging, and it sounds like the church is looking to find ways to... Developing new faith communities to serve been, that. This has been, uh, I would say, sometimes with fits and starts and uh, a mixture of successes and, and failures. But I think there's a new enthusiasm about the opportunity for us to experience more diversity and to be the church that we sing about and the church that we preach about. Uh, because God is providing new people all the time. Uh, and we just have to be willing to be engaged with our neighbors. Mm-hmm. Great. We, we say our, our mission as the United Methodist Church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And I'd like to ask folks this, this, how do you think we're doing on that? And what are some strategies that you have come up? You've mentioned here about diversity. What are some strategies for a, a local church pastor or a local church leadership team to do just this, to transform the world in their community? I think, uh, uh, and I and I got this a, a few weeks ago from a retired pastor from the Philippines, who said that churches are not started by plans; uh, churches are started by prayer. Mm-hmm. And so, I think one of the things that any pastor, any local congregation can begin to engage in is intentional prayer for the their immediate communities and for the people that God may call them to be engaged with. Also, there's a still the opportunity for us to create a cultural call so that we see people at various stages of life, children's ministry, youth ministry, people who, like myself, were engaged in camping ministry, Mm -hmm. uh, as well as persons who are second career persons, and I really consider myself actually started ministry after beginning another career, to answer a call to ministry. And uh, many people don't necessarily see that immediately as meaning that I want to be a pastor of a local congregation, but I do want to be engaged in helping to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And particularly, people are attracted to our mission statement, transforming the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I think of my own three young adult children, uh, one who's very active and two who are less active in local church, they all are attracted to the idea of transforming the world. It seems like that can be a way of connecting with even unchurched folks uh, who have who are spiritual in nature, mm-hmm. uh, who have a spiritual uh, hunger or spiritual yearning to do something that's engaged with transforming the world. But for whatever reason, sometimes the church has not been the outlet for that. Mm-hmm. And that, but we can touch on that area of this sense of uh, doing something that matters. Mm-hmm. And so it's not only a matter of the the call ourselves, but how can we make a connection, hit that nerve with folks and. And that we can do that. Are you seeing some ways that we're we're doing that? Connecting up with, for instance, uh, social service agencies or with the medical community or military communities or business community. Are you seeing some ways we're making some connections there? Absolutely, particularly in the area of uh, when I think about our United Methodist witness of, of scriptural holiness and social holiness and work that I've done recently related to immigrant community, okay. the whole issue of immigration. And so uh, uh, addressing the fact that there are lots of people in our communities who are undocumented, mm-hmm. and many who have been here for many, many years. Uh, we have lots of young people who have grown up in the USA, USA, but their parents may have come or grandparents may have come, uh, not, a, not the legal route. Uh, and yet here these are our neighbors now. 
So our opportunity to be engaged in what we have done as far as being engaged with people through justice for our neighbors, uh, a legal legal clinic, or through the kinds of social engagement ministries we do ecumenically uh, and as United Methodists, these are ways in which we can be engaged, both in advocating, say, for example, for, for comprehensive immigration reform, advocating for uh, uh, living, living wage for people who are seeking work, advocating for the church breaking the silence around issues like mental health, mm-hmm. the decline of mental health services in many of our counties, and as well as the, 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 the continued growth of domestic abuse and mm-hmm. domestic violence. So there are all kinds of ways that I think people who are attracted to, and particularly many of our younger people, the whole issue around uh, environmental holiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Preacher call it, and the whole issue. Kind of the green of, church yeah, movement, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, uh, I think that uh, when, we, when we become an advocate for anything along that line, that helps the church move out of any isolationism that we may have and to get connected where people are at. And, of course, that's pretty Wesleyan, I believe. And uh, what we can do, go to where the people's needs are and to try to, to serve that. Well, recently, uh, Bishop Trimble, you just came up with a, a new book, uh, A Faithful Church and a Healthy World, Reflections and Poems that you have collected and, and written. Share with us just a minute about what your uh, what your vision is for this book and what kind of message you're looking to convey well, through this I, book. I began writing this book. Actually, it's a co- collection of articles that were, some of many of them had previously been uh, uh, printed and produced or, or either on my blog, blog page or, or as part of our conference newspaper. And they cover a range of issues, including tips for those who preach and pastors, uh, issues around uh, mental health, uh, domestic violence, the church's role in terms of responding to those issues. But primarily, my, the goal was to uh, continue our focus on global health. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the four areas of focus for the church, United Methodist Church has been developing uh, Christian leaders, starting new places and revitalizing existing congregations addressing ministry with the poor and addressing the issue of global health, the four areas of focus. Most of the articles address some one of those four areas of focus primarily because we had been for two and a half years engaged in the Imagine No Malaria campaign okay. of the United Methodist Church, which is a campaign to raise $75 million and to save millions of lives of children primarily in sub-Saharan uh, Africa uh, that die from malaria, a preventable disease, a beatable disease, uh, and thus far the denomination has raised, I think, close to $68 million of the $75 million. We've raised over $2 million in the state of Iowa, United Methodist. Right. All, of the, all of the proceeds from this book go towards our efforts to save lives uh, by, by helping to eradicate uh, malaria. So that was the goal of the mm-hmm. book, and uh, it's already meeting some modest success uh, in that. And it's also part of my mission statement, which is to encourage all people with the love of Jesus Christ to rise to their highest potential. So one of the ways in which I try Is that your personal mission that's statement? That's my personal okay. mission statement. And one of the ways I try to do that is in all my letters, all my correspondence with my pastors and congregations and my conference newspaper articles, and in this case, a book that really focuses on encouraging uh, people to rise to the highest potential. In this case, 
addressing the issue of uh, global health. Okay. And, and of course, just by virtue of the title, you're saying a faithful church is going to be concerned and connected with issues of, of, of global health. Of creating a healthy world. Of creating yeah, a healthy world. A faithful world. church is, is, is one that uh, embraces uh, the Wesleyan and, and Wesley's model of, of the, through the general rules of doing no harm and doing as much good as we can in all the places that we can and, and staying, as Bishop Ruben Joe put it, as staying in love with God. Sure. So, so addressing the issue of health was certainly part of uh, uh, John Wesley and Charles Wesley's uh, uh, concern, being concerned about the poor, but being concerned first by what the Bible says, uh, and, and then addressing the needs of the people of God. And of course, if we're talking about uh, vitality of church, a healthy church mm-hmm. means in healthy things grow, right? Absolutely. So if we're gonna, if we if we have to think about a growing church, mm-hmm. it's not about uh, any you know trick or you know next you know uh, uh, tactic. Mm-hmm. It's about being healthy, mm-hmm. and healthy things grow. Yeah. yeah. Well, very good. Well, Bishop, I uh, just always like to ask folks just some fun fact about yourself. This could be a about, you mentioned you have three adult children or about your you know, family member, about yourself or something that you enjoy doing. What's something that folks would uh, know just personally about you that just is a, well, a fun fact about you? I love to play ping pong. Ping All right. Tennis, All right. And I haven't done it uh, in a few months, but uh, whenever I go to our camps or whatever, I usually make sure I find time to play table tennis. Or if I go to a church and they have a, yeah. a ping pong table, I find out if there's any kids, anybody around that wants to play ping pong with the bishop. That usually goes over pretty big. <laughs> so you, you get to challenge whoever the local the local champ is, huh? Well, I'm a preacher's kid myself, and every church I was at growing up, we had ping pong tables. So you get and we had one in our uh, in our basement, our house. So I'm the ping pong player as well. So that that's that's very cool. Well, one other thing, what is something that's informing you right now, like a book or a resource or a speaker or something? What is kind of feeding you right now? Well, actually. Uh, kind of rereading some books, but the book that I most read most recently was Revival by Adam Hamilton, and I read it because we were going to England for okay. what's the Heritage Tour, and it, the book really is his his kind of journeying through the steps of John Wesley to a lesser degree Charles Wesley mentions in the sure. in the book, and uh, but but the opening introduction talks about how we need revival in every area in many areas of our lives. Our marriages, our relationships, our, our jobs, and uh, it's too often we experience burnout. And maybe part of what the United Methodist Church is experiencing is a sense of burnout. Mm. So we need revival. So that's the most recent book that I that is Well, if that's inspired you, I would just ask you to, if you uh, would imagine a pastor or a local church leader who may be listening to us, what kind of word of encouragement might you give to that person today? I'd first say thank you. Thank you for answering the call to ministry. Uh, thank you for, for being faithful to your baptism uh, and, and to say that that uh, we are the beloved children of God. I had a, I had a treasurer who used to say, local church, she said, Pastor, remember that we are children of the Most High God. And she always said it with such enthusiasm. So I would say to any pastor who's in need of encouragement, remember you are a child of the Most High God. And I thank you on behalf of the church and on behalf of the movement of Jesus Christ for being who you are, where you are, uh, and that God calls us to be faithful and not to be lose sleep about the world's measurement about success. Very good. 
Well, if folks want to be uh, in contact with you, Bishop, about your book or about anything else that you may be helpful about, how can folks be in contact with you? They can be in contact with me through the Iowa Annual Conference if they type in uh, iaumc.org, Iowa Annual Conference, United Methodist Church.org. They can contact me. They can purchase the book from the conference. It'll be shipped to them. If they want an autographed copy, they make that request online, and we can make that happen as well. You'll get them taken care of. That's right. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you with us on the podcast today. And again, our our guest today is Ambitious Julius Trimble of the Iowa Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church. I am encouraged by what I hear from Bishop Trimble. I, I, I imagine you are too. I do want to thank him so much for taking some time and appearing in this episode number 22 of the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast. I really hope that you heard his mission statement. And it's it's important. And I believe it's good for us to hear as a real starting point as we move forward in our relationship with Bishop Trimble. Let's hear it again. His mission is to encourage all people with the love of Jesus Christ to rise to their highest potential. The key word there is encouragement. And I can envision one of his greatest roles as our new Episcopal leader is to be encourager in chief of the pastors and the leaders and the ministries and the lay folk of the Indiana Annual Conference. And let me just say that I truly believe that the pastors and leaders of the Indiana Conference are going to like and appreciate and receive inspiration through our our relationship with Bishop Trimble. I personally know him to be a compassionate man who carries himself with a with true credibility which comes from the spiritual depth which is evident in his life. I saw this even as seminary classmates in the early 1980s, and I certainly saw it again in our recent conversation. His humility was there, his transparency, it all rings true to me. And I I look forward to uh, building on our relationship moving forward as a pastor in in the Indiana Conference, and I'm sure that you will as well as pastors and lay leaders in the conference. Plus, who knows? Maybe I'll challenge him to a ping-pong match when he gets here to Indiana. You better watch out, though. I have a killer spin on my serve. I know that uh, every district, a lot of local churches are going to have welcoming events for Bishop Tremble and his wife. Let me encourage you, the good people of Indiana, to take up this theme of encouragement by praying for Bishop Trimble and his wife during this time of transition. Hey, we're pastors. We're leaders in the church. We know about transitions, don't we? We know about moving and all the all the details that go with that. There, that's not going to be any different for Bishop Trimble, and we need to be praying for that. So I, I like to encourage folks in my local church to pray what uh, we call 111 prayers. That's praying for one person for one minute at 1 o'clock. Just set a time to pray for somebody. And I want to encourage you from the time you hear this podcast to, through at least the month of September to pray for Bishop Tremble and his wife at least one minute a day during that time, during this transition. Will you do that? Let's, let's do that as a way that we can be encouragement. And let's make help him to know that, to show our encouragement by sending him a note. And I, I want to really encourage you to send an actual physical note or a card and uh, handwritten. There seems to be a certain power to that that's particularly meaningful. We'll put Bishop uh, Trimble's contact information in our show notes at our website, HoosierUnitedMethodist.com. See, a big part 
of the United of the Hoosier United Methodist podcast is to be a voice of encouragement for the United Methodist Church in the state of Indiana, and it's it's our purpose to strengthen the connection in order to achieve the mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And you can be a part of that. You can help us encourage others with good news stories like we did with Bishop Trimble today and other stories that we've had in past editions of the Hoosier United Methodist podcast. You, we have a one with Bishop Coyner from a few episodes ago you may want to check out, for instance. You can check it, You can check us out. You get connected with us and be connected to other members, other folks who, who are connected with us through our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Hoosier United Methodist. You can also listen to us, by the way, on the Stitcher app, but perhaps the best way you can help us and you can be an encourager to others is by going to iTunes and finding the podcast there, Hoosier United Methodist Podcast. Go to the search field and subscribe to us in iTunes. Give us a five-star rating if you think we deserve it, and then give us a line or two review. That really helps other people find us through search engine optimization and, and things like that. So, so please also share the good word about the podcast in your own channels, your own Facebook pages, uh, websites, word of mouth, other ways. If you have good news stories or personalities that we need to be here from or interesting events happening in the life of the church here in Indiana uh, that could be helpful to others, please let us know. Go to our website and connect with us the, that way. Well, it's about time that we we draw this episode, this special episode number 22 of the Hoosier United Methodist podcast to a close. It's been a a joy to have you with us, and I hope that you've enjoyed our conversation with Bishop Julius Calvin Trimble. We do thank him again for taking time to be with us and look forward to spending some more time with him. I'm very hopeful that we'll have him on the podcast once he gets here to Indiana as well. Until next time, this is Dr. Brad Miller leaving you with this encouraging word from our founder, John Wesley, to do all the good you can. Thank you for listening to the Hoosier United Methodist podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. We challenge you to be an active listener by subscribing and becoming a vital member of the Hoosier United Methodist podcast community. Visit us on the web at HoosierUnitedMethodist.com and chat with other members at Facebook.com slash Hoosier United Methodist. Until next time, continue to make disciples and transform the world.